Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the CLNS Patriots Beat Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Harris Rubenstein. And I'm Austin Bumpus. We are one of the other teams for the Patriots Beat Podcast this year, and we're very excited to be here. How, how are you doing, Austin? I'm, welcome. I'm great. Hey, welcome to you, too. It's, it's got to be a great show. <laughs> I'm excited for it. It's a brand new day. We, we're the gonna, sun is shining. It's cold. The clouds are forming. <laughs> it's snowing, Weather. kind of. We're supposed to get, like, negative degrees this negative weekend. inches of snow it's gonna be terrible but do you know what's not terrible the patriots the patriots aren't terrible you know i know they had kind of a rough end of the season this year you know they lost in denver but the outlook for this team for 2016 the potential is, is the word you're looking is, for is incredible the upside is massive it's tough to think that this could actually be better than this past team it's crazy that, like, everyone thought this year's team was it that yeah, Super Bowl again? Team. This was all the talent that you needed to make it happen. But I think next year's better. Which I, is as crazy. long as they stay healthy, and it's it's kind of funny that you know the Patriots have they kind of admitted the same thing. You know, with firing uh, their like strength and conditioning guy, their head doctor left. They're just like, all right, we 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 just keep getting injured. This is ridiculous. <laughs> that's why we're not winning. Yeah, and I mean that's I guess a promising thing, but it's just tough that. You go from one season, you win a Super Bowl, you have the potential to be even better, and you just get rocked with injuries week after week after week, and you just hope that they can come back next season, stay healthy for once. I feel like this is always a problem with the Patriots, that just one big injury can ruin it, and it was how many, I don't know how many people were on the injury report every week. It was double digits for sure. Well, going into, like, the actual playoff game. They actually had like two major players on IR, which are Solder and Dion Lewis, if you want to call him a major player. I think it was a major player. He ended up being a major player, but it just seemed that, you know, it, it just, it was ironic to me that the first person they lost, which was Nate Solder, turned out to be the most important player. Which on no one would have thought. No one would have thought. When he went down, I was like, meh, we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> and they me. didn't. They, they had how many weeks to figure that out? 15 weeks. Yeah. And it just didn't turn out. So, guys, today on the docket for you, we're obviously be doing a lot of off-season stuff, a little season uh, review from 2015. We're also going to have uh, Shalise Manza-Young, former Patriots uh, Globe reporter. She'll be on the show with us. We're going to ask her a couple of questions about off-season free agency, maybe a little a little draft talk. So that'll that'll be nice to have her, uh, to have her on. But, you know, one thing, uh, people that you know, this kind of pisses me off about Patriots fans. Are you are you big on Twitter? 
You big like Twitter I'm, I'm guy. A, I'm a big Twitter guy. What's your What's your at? We'll ha- We'll get people to follow. At us. da bumpus seventeen. It's not yeah, nice. da bumpus seventeen da bumpus. as everyone says. It's da bumpus seventeen. And my mine is at sportsteen. Which I love. Thank that you. is my Thank you. favorite Twitter handle yes. in all of Twitter. So one one thing I do find funny about all the Patriots people on Twitter, all of them want to sign everybody. All like we all we have to sign all Sean Jeffrey. Blah, he's gonna be the next Randy Moss. Like oh, we're gonna sign like Eric Weddle and stuff. And we're gonna ask Shalise about this because they don't do that ever. Yeah. They never. I mean, Randy Moss is that one exception where they like really just took a risk and went for it. Mm-hmm. But the Patriots make a name off of signing little Dion Lewis last year. No one would have heard. Thought Jabal Sheard would Jabal end up Sheard. as good as he was. He was major part of that defense. He, I think he was probably one of the most underrated players on that team. He was probably one of the mo- best breakout players in the NFL this yeah. season. And he was fantastic. That's a th- is no one last year would have thought Jabal Sheard is going to be a mainstay on the Patriots defense. It's really funny. When he got signed, I remember seeing on Twitter, all like the NFL pundits when they signed him were like, oh, crap, he's going to be unbelievable. And I was like, he was all right on the Browns. They yeah. didn't really use him right. And I mean, it's the Browns. It's the Browns. I, f- I feel so bad. They, it, it must suck for Browns fans to not only see Bill Belichick like doing what he's doing, but also that he they took Deion Lewis, they took Jabal Sheard, and now they're good players in the Patriots. I feel terrible. I mean, I don't feel terrible about it. That's, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I don't feel terrible about it at all. So before we get into offseason stuff, let's go back to 2015. So it, looking back on 2015, what is do what do you think the biggest, I guess, I don't know. I guess the biggest loss, well, not even like Nate Solder, but like the worst loss when it comes to like team losses. What do you think it was like games wise? The biggest team worst loss. loss. Worst loss. Not the Denver game at the playoffs. That's that's crap. I'm going to say that Philly game was really? pretty huge. In my opinion, that it just seemed like it swung everything in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. It's just, it started out, it, I mean, and everyone can debate all they want that. The Patriots went in cocky, or they just like thought they were gonna run away with the game, and obviously they didn't. And it's just one of those things. Oh, we seem to be have a call online. I believe it's Shalise. Hello, Shalise. Can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. Great, welcome. So, like I said, everyone, this is Shalise Benz Young, former Patriots beat writer for the Globe, and now writer for Yahoo Sports' NFL Shutdown Corner. How how are you doing today, Shalise? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing okay. We're we're happy to be here. So to to really get right into it, Shalise, this this Patriots team going into the 2016 season is it's just stacked with top end talent. Donta Hightower is coming back. Collins, Chandler Jones, Malcolm Butler, Brady Gronk, Edelman. They're all they're all coming back. But what what's really bad about this Pats team is what we saw in the playoffs. They don't have a lot of depth at some very important positions. What are some of the moves you think they can make this offseason to kind of round out the roster? Um, you know, it's, it's even surprising we're having this discussion because one of the hallmarks of, of Bill Belichick roster building in his time with the Patriots is that they have had not great, um, not like high-end depth, but they certainly had capable guys behind the top unit guys. And, you know, as you just said, they are missing some of that. I think certainly... The offensive line needs some attention. Um, I think, you know, they need to find some more quality depth at linebacker. I I don't know. I have my doubts that they're going to let Gerard Mayo go because Bill Belichick loves Gerard Mayo, but his, uh, friend, his salary number 
for the next couple of years, even though he just redid his contract, it's still a little high. Mm-hmm. So, you know, regardless of whether or not they, they part ways with Gerard Mayo, I still think you need more depth there because you'd only have really high tower and Collins, two very good players, but you certainly need more than two linebackers on your roster who can step in. So I would start probably in those, those places, the O-line for sure. Um, and then, like I said, add some, some depth at linebacker. Mm-hmm. So Jalise, you're, you're a big person on Twitter. You know, I, I see you going back and forth with fans a lot. <laughs> And, and as a former, you know, Patriots beat writer, you obviously got a ton of those fans who were like, oh, sign Andre Johnson, sign DeMarcus Ware, like all these big time free agent moves that like the Patriots just aren't known for. But, you know, going into this offseason, there aren't a lot of these big time guys, but we have people like an Alshon Jeffrey or like an Eric Weddle. Do, are there any players this year, big time free agent signings that you think the Patriots will make a move on? Um. You know, now that you brought up a few receivers there, I actually think receivers are probably a place where they could shore up as well. Although, as we've seen, bringing in guys from the outside um, has been completely a mixed bag. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, I think Eric Weddle probably would be somebody that they would take a look at. I know uh, Patriots fans, uh, Matt Forte is like the, the player du jour. It's, he's probably going to uh, hit the free agent market. He does have some traction on him, but if he could stay healthy, which has always kind of been a question mark with Forte, he's really a versatile guy um, in terms of being able to catch out of the out of the backfield and being able to run the ball effectively. Um, yeah, a guy like Alshon Jeffrey, a guy like Andre Johnson. Johnson seems like he's committed to retiring. Belichick obviously has talked guys out of that before, but is he really going to take that? big of a pay cut and then again there's still the question of can he come in and figure out the offense in a a relatively short amount of time because that's what you know that's what they would need him to do so you know I think a guy like Weddle would be fantastic if they could bring him in still playing at a very high level but then you know I don't I don't think Weddle Weddle's probably going to ask for a decent amount of money and you already have a lot of money committed to that position with Devin with the contract he signed last year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think if you could get a guy like Matt Forte, um, Deion Lewis is under contract for 2016, but, you know, it's I know it's always one of the fun games that, that fans like to play for any team, really, of who's out there. Larry Fitzgerald for years was the one that, Oh, yeah. uh, always cropped up the most, like, oh, would they trade for him? Would they trade for him? But, you know, they it finally paid off for Fitzgerald to stay in Arizona to a point mm-hmm. this year. But, yeah, he was always a favorite of fans to, to play that game with him. Yeah, the, f- the flavor of the year this year was, was Calvin Johnson. That was... That was a catastrophe. Everyone try to sign Megatron. He signed, like, an eight-year, like, $1 billion deal with the Lions. Yeah. That was nuts. <laughs> so, you know, the, the big guy that broke out this year that he didn't stay healthy all year, but he was still really good with Jabal Sheard. You know, Pro Football Focus had him as one of the breakout players of 2015. And it seems that the Patriots kind of bring that out of a lot of players. But looking at the roster now, it does seem that a lot of guys have kind of maybe hit their peak. But is there someone on the roster that you think could kind of make that next big jump for 2016? Um, I think, you know, I, I don't know that we've seen the full range of what Jamie Collins and Dante Hightower can do at this point. Um, I, you know, they're both, they both dealt with issues. Collins had that really mysterious illness thing that I, I want to say, I don't even know if he, he might've been back to full strength by the end of the season, but 
he lost a significant amount of weight because of it. Um, so, you know, I think Jamie Collins is a guy that we haven't seen yet all the things that he could, could do in this defense and for this defense. Like I said, Hightower, he's had injury issues over the years. Sheard is a guy that when the Patriots signed him last year, they got a lot of um, a lot of credit for it being a, a low-key, you know, under-the-radar good signing. And I think he did have some problems in terms of staying on the field. But I think the biggest thing with him is he was part of a rotation. He was excited to be in a franchise with stability, which he didn't have at all in Cleveland. Um, I remember him telling us, I think he'd had four defensive coordinators in four years or Jeez. some ridiculous number like that. So, yeah, I think for sh- I think for sure there are guys who could take that next step. And, and maybe even Malcolm Butler. Let's see what he does in his evolution and, and what he learned this year from being a top corner and how can he take the next step. Mm-hmm. So speaking of, you know, Butler and Collins and Hightower, all these guys eventually are going to have to get their own extenses. I know Chandler Jones, Hightower, and Collins are all up at the end of the 2016 season. And, you know, with, with the, you know they got money tied up in a couple places, but eventually something's got to give. Do you think the Patriots can bring back all of these key players, or is are they going to have to trade Chandler Jones? I know there was some random rumors that were circulating about that. Who's who's Does one of them have to go, or can they bring them back? Yeah, I think I know the, the popular idea is that they would, um, if they trade Chandler or if they just let him hit free agency and let somebody else pay him, um, especially, you know, I'm sure the team knows much more about what's going on with Chandler behind the scenes than we do. We do know about that incident he had where he showed up at the Foxborough police station, um, reportedly, you know, had taken some synthetic weed, which does the complete opposite as natural weed. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think, I guess, I think I believe in that theory too, that if, if one of them, if one of the three has to go, it probably would be Chandler. You know, the other teams put a premium and pay pass rushers a ton of money. And if Chandler can get that money from another team, then I'm sure the Patriots will say, you know, thanks for what you did for us and go find that money elsewhere. It's, I've, you know, I, Chandler went to Syracuse like I went to Syracuse. So mm-hmm. it stinks to say, but he also, as much as, you know, he would always start the seasons really strong and never really seem to finish the seasons as strong as he started them, which is tough. He did have a really great game in the Super Bowl last year, but yeah. for the most part, he, you know, again, would start strong and not finish quite as strong. So I'm sure, you know, Belichick has always loved linebackers. You know, Teddy Bruschi, I've never seen him more emotional than the day Teddy Bruschi retired. Oh. So if he has a great linebacker, as he does in Hightower and Collins, they probably will get paid. And at some point, they're going to have to pay Malcolm Butler. And right. it would be wise if they did it sooner rather than later, because if he you know, takes another big leap this year, then his price tag is going to go up even more. So it would be smart if they can. I think they can try. I think they could try this offseason to, to re-up him, to extend him. Mm-hmm. Um, if not, they could probably do it during the season next year. Nice. So one last question for you, Shalise, before we uh, before we let you go. Oh, it always. I don't know if this is like an every off season thing, but a lot of teams, you know, kind of like this week, we saw Jeff Schwartz get uh, cut by the Giants, and well, you know, them start cutting a lot of veterans. 
Who's the one like big surprise veteran that might get covered the Patriots outside of like Gerard Mayo, who's been in the news a lot? Is there one surprise move that the Patriots might make this offseason? Um, trying to run down the roster. I could see them. I I can't. I don't have my laptop in front of me. Volmer might be vulnerable. Um, I could see something like that. I could see, you know, we talked about Mayo. Maybe Brandon LaFell, just because he really fell off a cliff this year. He had a great first season with the Patriots, but he. I think he only signed a three-year deal, so. They probably wouldn't be eating that much money if they cut him um, before this season, but then that leaves you vulnerable. I don't know why they're hanging on to Aaron Dobson still. That wouldn't be a cap saving thing. That would just be a look we've tried for three years and it just isn't working out type of thing. Um, those would be guys, and maybe Marcus Cannon, maybe. It's hard to say now with the, the offensive line because with the stories that they're probably getting Dante Skarnecchia back. Thank God. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think Scar will probably dictate a lot of who goes and who stays on the offensive line, and um, you know I I think you know that that could dictate who they who they do hold on to and who they don't. So I mean it would be great if he does come back, and I'm sure he'll do a ton to develop those young guys that they have because Trey Jackson and Shaq Mason they are really you know there's good foundation there. Mm-hmm. So I think if, if Dante can just get them on the right path, and then maybe again in a couple of years, uh, I've, seen, I've seen some people float the name Brian Ferentz to bring him back because he coaches. He was with the Patriots coaching the tight ends when Hernandez and, and Gronkowski were drafted. Now he's uh, on his father's staff at Iowa. If they could bring him back to coach the O-line maybe in a couple of years, um, that would probably be a good thing. Cause I know he's highly regarded uh, in the Patriots organization. Right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Celise, and uh, and uh, enjoy your day with your kids. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. Have a good day. Kind of get off, but yeah. So a lot of things she was talking about uh, kind of brought up a lot of thoughts in the um, when it comes to like bringing back Dante Scarnecchia. This is definitely something I wanted to talk about. Wow, do they need Dante Scarnecchia? Yeah, this offensive line is like the one problem. That I think every everyone has with the Patriots team. I think everything wide receivers you could say a little weak, but this offensive line really killed the team, and you saw it in that Denver game, obviously. And it's not like they don't have good players. Like Shaq Mason and Trey Jackson very clearly have a lot of potential. Like they're potentially very good linemen. Shaq Mason's one of the best young road blocker, run blockers, excuse me, that I've seen in the NFL. He just plows through people. He pulls like none other. Trey Jackson's kind of a more in the middle of passing and running. He's not really too good at one thing. But it, it, it's clear they need to bring something back. Goog's system wasn't working. David Googly, M.O., whatever you say his name. He, it just Good wasn't effort. working out. Yeah, I mean, hopefully you can see it in the next couple of years that this actually works out. And you saw Shalise say, um, I mean, it might take cutting some people that you might not want to cut as the Patriots, but mm-hmm. a guy like Sebastian Vollmer where he's been a – pretty good mainstay for the Patriots. I mean, he kind of, I think, struggled this year, staying healthy and everything like that. But He, he struggled at left tackle. That, that was the thing. That he, too. He wasn't like, it was It was one of those things where he was our last decent offensive tackle, but you could just tell he really didn't want to be at the left tackle position. Yeah, and that's another big thing is that you look at all the different combinations that they were forced to, I forget the exact number, but it was up there. A as lot. Yeah, I couldn't tell you, but it was 
a crazy amount of different combinations they had, and they just need to have, I think, one, a good coach that they're bringing back, obviously, and two, just have like a really, I guess, faithful offensive line, not something that you're going to put people out of position like they did all season. I think I don't remember how many people were forced to play tackle when they're guards and mm-hmm. vice versa, and it's just not going to work if you're forced to do that. And I know injuries played a factor in that, but I mean, you just got to keep working on that. One thing I'm very worried about is that last year, well, I guess 2014, Brian Stork had a fantastic season, had a great rookie season. He missed a couple games in there, but as soon as they slotted him in at center. I mean, he just, especially during the playoffs, he played incredible, played great during, against Baltimore. Everyone played great against the Colts. And then the Super Bowl, he he did a great job with one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. But this year, you know, I'm going to go on a limb and say that David Andrews had a better season than Brian Stark did. I can completely agree with that. Like, and it was weird that how much worse the offensive line got when Stork was in versus Andrews. The biggest thing to me, and I don't know if it's like a talent gap or anything like that, but the biggest thing to me, and you noticed it just from transitioning from the Chiefs game where no sacks, right, yeah. in the Chiefs game, and then you transition to Denver. And I know Denver's pass, pass rush and Vaughn Miller, whatever, godly. But it's just consistency, I think, was the biggest thing this season that – there was no no consistency whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You saw guys have great games, and like you transitioned from the Chiefs. They gave up no sacks to the Broncos, and Brady got hit almost every time he dropped back. And that happened all season. It wasn't just a one-time thing. And there's just, I don't know what it is, but it's not like reminiscent. You talked about they were consistent through the playoffs last year, or 2014, like you mm-hmm. said. And that's just how they succeeded. That's how Brady actually had time to make these key throws. And when he's just getting rushed every single time and he can't really trust his offensive line, he's throwing it in like a second, Mm -hmm. that's the biggest problem. I think it also had to do a lot with the lack of veterans they had on the offensive line. I mean, think about it. So Vollmer, he's been around for eight years, right? But then after that, Josh Klein, what, like three years? Yeah, three or four. Stork, second year. Trey Jackson, Shaq Mason, rookies. Marcus Cannon, third year. And I think what we ended up really seeing was that, you know, one of the biggest losses outside of Nate Solder was also Ryan Wendell just not being that, around anymore. That was anymore. a big one. That, you Dan could Connelly's tell. gone. Well, obviously he was, was he? No, two years ago. Was he on the Super Bowl team? I don't believe Maybe. so. I, I don't know. Fact but, check. But, but either way, they, either way, they just didn't have any veterans on the offensive line. You know, I really expected Volmer to kind of step up and be that leader on the offensive line, but he just he just wasn't. It seemed that losing Ryan Wendell, you know, he was the, a three-year starter going into the season before he was replaced, and it seemed like they wanted to rush a lot of young guys in too quickly without realizing that, hey maybe this isn't a great idea because it, it, it just the whole offensive line just collapsed down the stretch yeah and also just as a fact check Connolly was on that Super Bowl you know so there you yeah. go so they lose Connolly they lose Wendell two starters from a for a very long well Wendell was on the team for a long time without even being a starter he was like Wendell six I, I was a while I was really happy with Wendell in the past couple of years he yeah. actually performed pretty well and I forget what happened did he get hurt I forget what happened to he him. He got concussed. Connolly or when, oh no, Wendell, Wendell had concussion issues, yeah. just like Connolly. So that was, I think, the biggest slot. We talk about like, oh, all these big injuries, but the offensive line really got hurt. And mm-hmm. 
there were just times when another thing with the whole consistency, people would be out for like one or two games. It wasn't even serious injuries, and people don't think that's a big deal. But it when is. it's your offensive line that every that adds to these combinations of just random people in different spots. They had tight ends playing offensive line at some yeah. points because of injuries. Like I don't know like what you can do to fix that, but you got to work on getting a more I guess consistent offensive line. That's like the big thing this offseason to me. And then uh, another big thing for me, Shalice spoke about it was Brandon LaFell and Aaron Dobson in the wide receiver position. So this is something that I, I really want to talk about with this is what are they going to do with outside weapons for Tom Brady? Because obviously they're going to have Rob Gronkowski till he retires. If it, I'll put it this way. If Rob Gronkowski is not on this football team the next five to six years, either something has gone <coughs> very, very, very wrong or he retired like Calvin Johnson did, which would I guess would also go under the... Uh, the category of very, very wrong. It's, it's like what I would say with the Red Sox with Mookie Betts and Xander. They should be on this team the rest of their career unless something goes wrong. But I think I don't think people realize how hurt Brandon LaFell was. I think he injured his foot uh, during training, or was it during OTAs? Uh, yes, OTAs. During OTAs. And then I just think he never got fully healthy. He was always slow out of his cuts. He, dri- he dropped balls all the time. He just... It didn't look like he was very confident in himself. I think he was injured. Oh, he was definitely injured. And you saw him in the, I believe it was the Super Bowl last year. He had a pretty, in the playoffs in general, he had pretty strong performances. Yeah. And it just obviously didn't carry over. And that injury definitely played a factor. I mean, the foot is obviously a very important part of being a wide receiver. But, like, it's just one of those things that if that's lingering at all, it's just going to ruin your confidence. You're not going to build up any momentum at a wide receiver spot. Like, he was so good in the playoffs. Like, yeah. remember, he, I remember one of my favorite plays from the from the playoff game against the Ravens was, I remember, he was on sing, he was single coverage on the outside. They were at, like, the 20-yard line. I pointed my dad. I was like, Brandon LaFell in single coverage on the outside. I kept screaming, Brandon LaFell single coverage, Brandon LaFell single coverage, and touchdown. One-handed catch, beautiful, right into right into his pocket. It was a beautiful throw, and then he caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl. I th- I think it was more of an injury thing. And yeah. then I think he's I think he's a good fit for this Patriots team. They really need him when you have guys like Edelman and Amendola who are just small, scrappy guys, and then Lavelle Lavelle Lafell is that just tall, physical presence. He's more he would fit as like a tight end, really, if you look at his body type. But he's just that really strong wide receiver that they need, and it, he comes up clutch in some big spots. And yeah, that injury I think was just a huge thing this season. That it's really that guy a shame. Swept under the rug. Yeah. Another player who actually uh, kind of surprised me this year um, was Keyshawn Martin, and they. So the Patriots have had this weird thing that they've started to do, where they're signing all these players to like. Low money two year contracts. They did it with Keyshawn Martin. They did it with Deion Lewis. They did it with Josh Klein. They did it with um, uh, who's the other one? They did it to uh, Marcus Cannon. They signed all these guys to these random two year deals. And they just did it with Keyshawn Martin to keep him on the team till twenty seventeen. He impressed me a lot this year. I was really happy with that signing. I remember. I don't remember the specific day or anything, but I remember seeing on Twitter that we signed him and getting very excited that. Not many people know who he is. It's one of the key mm-hmm. things that we talk about with the Pats that no Keyshawn, one, yeah, the ha, ha 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 Harris. <laughs> um, it's one of those things though that they just come in with these random players and an outsider to the NFL will be like, oh, I don't know who this is, obviously. But I mean, I was really happy with that signing. He's a really talented player, and obviously, he was kind of devoted to this whole Patriots team, and it showed. He actually was a pretty reliable target mm-hmm. when Amendola. Edelman, all those guys were just going in and out, and he was just there. Mm-hmm. So yeah. 
for for me, another thing that kind of ruined the season was when Edelman got hurt in the Giants game. It was that the offense kind of sputtered and stalled. But if you look at their third down numbers and like how essential Edelman was on like third downs, like converting, it was astronomical. And you, it's he's one of those guys you don't realize what you have until, until he's gone. gone. Yeah. And I think it, this was kind of the year where I know he had a great year last year, obviously statistically, but this was kind of the year where the NFL realized. Wow, he's a big time player, and without him, the Patriots' offense is just so much worse. It wasn't that. I mean, Edelman, obviously, big time player for the Pats, and he's very important to the team's success. But I think it was more that everyone around him went down around the same time. Because I think Edelman, what was it? How many games was the Giants game before the Broncos game? Uh, it was like two, maybe two. And so you see Gronk go down for a couple weeks in. Uh, in that Denver game, you see Amendola go down like pretty consistently off and on. And I think it was just the talent around Edelman going down is what made it really bad mm-hmm. because then it just got to the point that you couldn't throw the ball at all. You saw them running it against Miami consistently, and oh, it might have been there might have been different factors of not wanting Brady hurt or anything like that. But it's just like all the talent around Edelman contributes to Edelman's success. And then, but Edelman going out around the same time was Oof. just. Everyone just poofed. It, yeah, it's just gone. What kind of shocked me, though, in the, their playoff game versus Denver was, honestly, how well they covered him. And I, I rewatched the game on, like, the All-22 just to kind of watch, like, what was up with Julian Edelman and, like, why couldn't he get open. And you just you just didn't see the same explosion, explosion out of cuts. You didn't see the same. You saw it in the Kansas City game. You but did I th- see in the Kansas City game. I think City he game. just he went too hard too quick. I don't yeah. know if it's he went too hard too quick or that's just all his body could handle with the I think, Kansas City game. I think the Kansas City game was a lot more comfortable and a lot lower pressure because I I it was the it was the kind of the feel the team had going into the game against Kansas City. They weren't going to lose that game. There was no way they were going to lose that game to Kansas City. Yeah, and especially at home. That's another big thing that we can talk oh. about is the home versus away. But playing at Gillette, Edelman is completely different at yeah. home with the energy of the crowd. He completely changes it. this team. And you go to Denver and everything just kind of dies out. And I'm sure playing at home kind of took away from the pain in his foot or his ankle or whatever. And then once you go to Denver, obviously, you're going to focus on it a little more and all the pressure is on. But he played well in the Kansas City game, and I think Denver just game-planned perfectly. And yeah, they, you know, credit to Denver's defense. I think I think no one really realized how good they actually were until the playoffs came around. Like, we were all like, oh, they're the number one defense. But, like, you know, the number one defense is come and go. Yeah. But, like, they were the best defense. And it was, They're not the best team. They were the best no, defense. They were the best defense because I, I still don't believe in Demarius Thomas as a tough light wide receiver. I never will. People always say, oh, and look at all of his stats. I'm I like, think yeah, he drops everything. I think you'll find out, too, once you Peyton does not, yeah, gone. once Peyton's gone and I you'll see what happens at quarterback with Brock Osweiler and stuff like that. Because remember the game, the, the game against the Patriots when he was like, Logan Ryan played a good game, but like, Brock Osweiler was throwing him, like, fastballs. Like, balls a normal NFL wide receiver should catch, and he was just dropping them. I, I don't think Demarius Thomas is that good. I I know he's fast, and he's super athletic, but I, he can't catch. Yeah, I he mean, everything. You, you could say that when he had Tim Tebow at quarterback, he was pretty good. 
That, that's that's all I want to bring up. Another Harrison. lofty ball, just yeah. like these soft passes that like him and Manning always uh, connected on. But um, you we mentioned before about like home and away stuff, and before uh, Shalise came on, we were talking about like what the worst loss of the season was. Oh. You said Philly. That yeah. See, that's where I disagree because Philly was a bad loss. The worst loss for me, looking back on the season, was the game against Miami. This is a Miami Dolphins team that has nothing to play for. Zero. Their season is over. They're getting a new head coach. The team gave up. Once Cameron Wake went down, this team gave up on themselves. It was over. And they just didn't do anything. They assumed what the what the rest of the fan base, including myself, assumed, which was, oh, we're going to get super healthy in the playoffs and just roll into the Super Bowl home or away without realizing that they can't win in Denver. They can't win on the road, really. I mean, it's not like, obviously, it's not like they're losing every game on the road or anything like that, but it's just, yeah, people did not realize how important that home field advantage was. No. I think they were more worried in that game about just staying healthy. You saw it where they would run the ball. I think like the first time Brady dropped back, he took that hit from, I think it was in Dominican suit on like yeah. the legs oh, and the like ankle. His ankle like, and then you, you saw them panic right away and just start running again. And I think that's more what contributed. Like I, I'm sure. Yeah. It was some confidence that our team is better than yours and we're going to go in and just kill you no matter if you're home or away. And I, obviously, that played a huge factor in the playoffs, but I truly still think that Philly loss is the biggest one. At home, against, you have to admit, the Eagles, horrible team. At the well, that remember that was at the time because like they kind of started to get a they, little better. They picked down the it stretch. up a little bit, but, but like that was coming off of that horrendous loss against the Lions on Thanksgiving. Yeah. it was like forty-two to like seven. Yeah, and I just think that one, a embarrassing, b it killed any kind of like momentum they the pats were really riding that game. like they were riding some serious momentum in the first half of that or the first quarter they were up what like 14 nothing or yeah, something, something like and then they tried that onside kick and everything just went downhill and it's just i think that's where overconfidence comes in and mm-hmm. i think that really was a big factor too and people can say oh it's overconfidence or whatever it's just all the pressure but i think it really played a factor in the eagles game like you talked about with the dolphins game in the playoffs, it obviously kicked in because they thought we're going to beat you whether we're at Gillette or we're in Denver or we're in Pittsburgh or wherever, and it just played a huge factor. And I kind of put that on the veteran leaders of this team. And, you know, it wasn't. it's not that they don't have a lot because, you know, they have some of the best leaders in the NFL. They have Matt Slater. They have Tom Brady. They have Gerard Mayo. But, like, it almost seemed like they just didn't have that extra gear that we usually see this Patriots team have. And I think – that losing all those players down the stretch is really what kind of took them out because this was a very talented team. Like, on paper, they weren't as good as the 2014 team because they didn't have Browner when he was still a good corner. Obviously, Revis was still in there. Everyone was healthy. Will Fork uh, I think the, the defense was actually better this year, really? surprisingly. This is, like, shocking to me, er, and I'm sure shocking to everyone <laughs> else listening, but, like, I personally think this defense was better. I think the linebacking core is, I mean, it's basically the same people. It's just everyone evolved to just a per- Jamie Collins was great. Dante Hightower, great. Gerard Mayo even kind like he stepped up when people got hurt. He was, he's a yeah. good backup. I know we're talking about depth and everything like that. I agree. 
that like yeah you could cut him but i really do like having him as a backup i think our secondary obviously not as good you don't have a guy like revis you don't have a guy like browner anything like that but i think malcolm butler did a great job replacing he did but my problem he got exposed this year too but then again it was his first year starting but he got exposed that he couldn't match up with big wide receivers he yeah, got, but, he got abused by Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker. Yeah, but combined. you look at him against Antonio Brown, and he I'm, he also got abused. It was like eight for one sixty. I well, no one's gonna stop Antonio Brown. That that's just that but was I'm saying. First game. Hold on, that first game. First of all, yeah, I think he got burned like once because a big thing with Malcolm Butler is he gets very aggressive. Yes, and he's I very think aggressive. that obviously can be attributed to the Super Bowl where mm-hmm. he just had that big play and he thinks that's what I have to do all the time. And I don't know how many interceptions he had, but it was not. He dropped a ton of balls. That, this yeah, year. like he just—you <laughs> could tell he was really going for the big plays when he could be a solid defensive yeah. back. I, I think as, that's just like a first-year starter. Yeah, like I think being it's in just the, the jitters, thing. and yeah. he's the top cornerback on the team. He's a Pro Bowler, and I think he's. I personally liked him better than Revis. I think there were times, like, and I guess you didn't say Revis's name a lot last year just because people weren't thrown. I think if people had thrown to Revis more. They do. I just, like, last year with the defense, it was just, it had a lot more character to it. This defense kind of seemed to, like, ebb and flow a little bit more. I think this defense was more shut down. very talented. It was talented, and I think it was more consistent. It was consistent, but one thing I didn't like about it is that out of nowhere, it would just give up like 90 yard drives. Like, out of, like, they would be shutting down an <laughs> offense for an entire game, and then just all of a sudden, they would just give up a drive. Like, give up, like, like I know that's like, oh, every team's going to score points, but like, they would just give up these random, like, drives with like these huge plays. They were terrible on third and long this year. They Holy were. Holy but- cow. I Bad. I still think they they Bad. kept they kept the Patriots in games they that they should the Denver game and you can talk about the same thing happened in the Super Bowl with the Panthers like they kept them in that Broncos game that could have easily gotten out of hand so quick with the field positioning or, or like the amount of possessions that Denver had and they limited them to field goals I mean obviously the two touchdowns to Owen Daniels in the first half were pretty big but I still think they were able to step up more than a lot of defenses I can remember from this Patriots team. I just, I've just never seen a defense. I, I, tw- I, this was my big thing on Twitter. I know oh, yeah. every si- third and long. <laughs> you would tweet third, third and, and long, and every single time they give it up. It was unbelievable. I've never seen a team be so bad on third and seven, third and eight, third and nine. But that's the thing is that you can like, I mean, obviously they didn't work on it enough this year. If that kept happening but that's something going into next year that you know they'll work on and kind of like perfect and in, in practice do whatever they need to do and i think next year with this same defense yeah they'll be miles ahead i think this defense is a lot better this defense i think this defense this year wasn't as good as last year but i think year, you're basing it a lot on the secondary I, which was still pretty good considering everything it was. It, it it did a good job. I think it was saved Patrick a lot by Chung the came out of nowhere and became one of the yeah. best strong safeties in the NFL. Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, also you got to realize the pass, like the Patriots' pass rush was. I'm not gonna say underrated because there were a lot of people talking about it throughout the season. But and it, there were a lot the of big names. It was. Yeah, because not many people realize the amount of pressure that guys like Jabal Shear, Chandler Jones, even I mean Collins and Hightower. Collins is. I still I love he's deadly. Yeah, he's deadly he's in deadly. pursuit. 
He's deadly in coverage. I love it. But they're so good on the pass rush that it kind of saves the secondary. If a guy's getting beat, like if Malcolm Butler's getting beat on a long route, the quarterback's not going to have time to step in and just chuck that ball. And another big injury that no one really talked about was that Dominic Easley went down. He wasn't here for the playoffs. And he was he was really, really good this year when he played. He was yeah. fantastic. And when they lost him— But you have to look at the supporting cast with that, too. Well, well, my thing is that like when he went down, they didn't have a lot of interior pressure because it's good. Uh, let, let me put this right. I love Malcolm Brown. I thought that was one of Bill Belichick's best for first round picks since they brought in Hightower and Jones. He's a, that was an incredible pick. Yeah. But I think he wasn't set up to be that. He's not a good pass rusher. He's very good against the run. He's very, very much early career. But that's what you need. You need a balance there. Yeah. You can't just have everyone. Exactly. You can't have a bunch of Von Millers. You that's need some guys. They lost that balance. Because Akeem Hicks showed when they started him that he wasn't. Akeem Hicks was pretty good. He was, no, I'm saying he wasn't starting material like Easley was. He was a very good guy in rotation because he could overpower you. But I think that Hicks, when they started him, when Easley went down, didn't have the same kind of consistent off-the-snap pressure that someone like a Dominic Easley brought. I think you, you lost a very important piece of your pass rush when he went down. I know. I still think, I mean, even without him, it was still pretty good. You look mm-hmm. at the Denver game where they were, I mean, granted, it's Peyton Manning. He's not very mobile. I mean, well, we thought, and he, there he goes, scampering off for like 12 yards for a first so down. Bad. That That one. That one that hurt, um, <laughs> but I mean, you look at it, and they're still putting pressure on Peyton Manning. They were sacked them for like ten yard losses, and really keeping that team in that game. I think they did a nice job, at least on the defensive line and then their linebacking core of adapting to injuries. Whereas mm-hmm. in other spots, you look at the secondary where a lot of guys were going down, and when like McCordy went down, that they couldn't adapt anymore. They couldn't yeah. like change anything about their game. They were just panicking, and they would have guys. I, Freaking Coleman, like just coming in and I mean he actually did pretty well. He played well. so well in the beginning of the season and then he, he, he like, tapered what off. What happened to his hand? Yeah, he like I like I remember they never reported as like a broken wrist or whatever it was, but something messed up his hand. Yeah, and he just was not good the rest of the year. But he's someone with a lot of potential. Yeah. See, that's the thing that, with this defense next year. Yeah, and that's like something you never really say about the Patriots. A lot of times in the off season, people are wondering. Oh, like this might be the year that they go down and they're losing a lot of their talent. They said that last year about the, that this defense would have been horrible mm-hmm. when they lost Revis, they lost Browner, they lost Will Fork, they lost all these guys, and people are like, they're not gonna have a pass rush anymore. I'm they're giddy. not gonna have. And yeah, you look at what happened. Everyone's coming back. Giddy is the the word I describe yeah. for this defense. Giddy. But that's the thing is, and you talked about it with Shalice, is that. It's going to be maintaining this with these contract extensions yeah. in this offseason and next. And I agree that you need to sign Malcolm Butler this offseason. Yeah, because he, he's only going he hasn't. Yeah, if he has another big year where I know people are saying, like, I think people are saying that he's overrated. I don't know how you can say he's, he's overrated. Not, he's he's perfectly He is rated. a solid, yeah, he he's is a vi- solid player. A very good number. He's very much, do you know who I like as a comp to him? Joe Hayden before he just all of a sudden sucked. Joe Hayden before I, that, he was bad. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree with that. And I, I, like I think that. if you give him another year to develop and evolve or whatever, and you there's some people that are like, oh, like the loyalty and everything. Like he's pretty loyal to the Patriots, but I mean, money is money. He will take a bigger deal elsewhere. And you need to pay him now before you have to worry about mm-hmm. 
though obviously the priorities. I'd say Collins over Hightower. I know a lot of people are saying Hightower over Collins. I, 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 I don't think one is more important than the other. A I lot think, of people are saying Hightower is more important. I, I think I think if you want to like say who is more important, I think Hightower is a little bit more important just because he's... He's just a little more linebackery than Jamie Collins is. Jamie yeah, Collins but, is very much a hybrid kind of guy. And I think that's more important. I think you can, okay. like, to me, I feel like a guy like Jamie Collins who is so fast, like, best athlete, a lot of people are calling him one of the best mm-hmm. athletes in the NFL. He's the best, ath- best athlete on the Patriots. And I think him on the pass rush, and I talked about it, him in coverage, him being able to do it, he reminds me of Luke Keekley. Oh really? Is that's the one? This. I know L- Jamie Collins is a lot. I think faster and a little more agile than Luke Keekley. I give you this: uh, Donta Hightower is to Patrick Willis as Jamie Collins is to Navarro Bowman. That's who I think. J- he's a, he's he's taller than Bowman, but the athleticism, the pass rush, the coverage, the tackling efficiency—it's all there. Yeah. I think he's very Navarro Bowman esque. I just think awesome. I I just think Jamie Collins is more important. Than, okay. Like I think. It's vice versa if you look at that San Francisco uh, linebacking core where Patrick Willis will be, obviously, I think, more important than Navarro Bowman. Yeah, okay. But yeah, I, I still think in this scenario, Jamie Collins is more important than Dante Hightower. Okay, that's fair. I, I'll, I'll give you that one. I just think Hightower is more, a tiny more important because— I, I agree they, that they're pretty equal. I'm just saying if you have to give the edge to one of them, you should give it to the hybrid mm-hmm. but rather I, than just a pure linebacker. You can get a pure linebacker mm-hmm. anywhere. Not but, anywhere. But, but I say, though, if you want, but if it's between those two plus Jones, you have to go with the two linebackers. Oh, I agree of course. Shalice. Like, as good as oh, Ch- of I have a Chandler Jones jersey, but, like, I can understand Chandler that. Chandler Jones is so charming. He's good, but he's not elite. Like he's they replaceable. Thought he was gonna be. Exactly. And you can find other players like him. Shalice said it. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Shalice said it best when great starts. I remember writing about it where he would have these great, like, mm-hmm. On pace to break records, and then all of a sudden, and it's happened the past like f- I know one of the years was years, yeah, yeah, one of the years was an injury and like whatever. But there's been years he's been healthy and just tapers off completely, and he'll mm-hmm. go games where he'll like he was leading the league in sacks or tied for the this league. This year was perfect to kind and, of yeah, comp his and career. he just he just yeah tapers off no sacks or tackles he had in like some 12 games. Twelve sacks and like. Eight games, and then or didn't have any for I think four straight. Yeah, or and he only had like three tackles in those four games. Yeah. Like he did. It's not that he, he did just, nothing. I'm sure he was creating pressure and all that stuff. And he would he, just he would be good for ball. those big plays where he could like strip the quarterback and obviously mm-hmm. just break off for some big plays. But I I still think if you had to prioritize, it would go Collins, Hightower, Butler, and Jones. Yeah. And as much as I love Chandler Jones, then. Like obviously, and I, it's just behind the scenes. We don't know everything that's going on, but I just think he's so replaceable. Mm-hmm. And you saw the same thing with Will Fork. People were like, "Oh, Will Fork, like you can't replace he, him." He, but at his age, he was replaceable. I yeah, guess. but I know a lot of a lot of Pats fans were kind of upset about oh, it just because you can't his size and his just presence. He he was he wasn't replaceable until they realized how good Malcolm Brown. Was. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> he's People, so good. Yeah. Like it's the opposite of you don't realize what you have till it's gone. You don't realize what you have until so you the redrafted rich- the same yeah, player. <laughs> exactly. It, you look at the comparisons; they're pretty they're, scary. They're so good. They like- look like twins. If you look at Vince Wilfork when he was out of college, and then Malcolm Brown when they drafted him in 04, My my my, I was watching. It was the game against. I, oh, what game was it that he like broke out? Oh, it was the game against. I think it was Indianapolis. Was his first really good game as an NFL pro. And my dad just looked at me. He's like. 
he just looks like Vince Wilfork. He does the same stuff. He's so he's like my dad said for a defensive tackle, you need to be good in a phone booth. And all he does, he just pushes people aside and gets tackles. Yeah. He needs to work on his pass rush, but Will Fork was never a big pass rusher. Yeah, he was. He just had that's what I'm saying. He's the deep. presence, and then he's good on run stuff. Mm-hmm. But, and that's what you need yeah. in that center of that pass rush. But I'm really excited for this defensive line next year. Even if they don't bring back Hicks or Branch, both of which guys who I think are a little bit more replaceable than people think. Branch was really good yeah. this year. But, you know, remember... They Trey Flowers, a third round pick this year from uh, Arkansas, who had a very, who was very good in college, had a really good preseason until he had a, a nasty shoulder injury that kept him out the rest of the season. Geno Grissom had a couple good games when they actually let him play. They that, have depth. That's the thing too, though. And you brought like third rounders and everything. They have. I know people are upset about the first round pick and everything like that, but. You have this Patriots team is so good in the NFL draft. They're I'm not gonna say like underrated because you always hear like oh the Patriots. This would definitely be year that they draft like some backup defensive end. That's what I'm saying. And or they trade. They would totally trade out of the first round this year. Yeah, there's no way they'd keep that first round pick this year. No way. Yeah, I like you. It's just one of those things. You're gonna look next year, and it's just something you look forward to. It's who's gonna be that breakout player, that Jabal Sheard, or that just like who do you think it'll be? Well, I'm, no, what I'm saying is that mm-hmm. you don't know who's going to get oh, drafted okay. and be that guy that will come in. Like Fair. next year, will be very telling. Chandler Jones contract year; he's going to have to play consistently. Like I love contract year players; they, I, they're always so good. It's just <laughs> like, no you tapering look, off for Chandler Jones. That's what I'm in a saying. Contract you, year. you look at Chandler Jones <laughs> in the first half of the year, and if he is realizing, oh my god, like this is my last year, I need to prove myself and the plays. Jaguars con- are going to give him ninety million. Yeah, for the rest of his yeah. Life. So he's going to have to play <laughs> consistently if he wants to stay on this team and prove himself. But at the same time, you're going to see. I'm sure Belichick will rotate in other guys, just making sure with the next year in mind mm-hmm. and just see what happens. And you never know who they're going to draft. You never know if, like, what what round was Gronk? Gronk's second round pick in yeah. Arizona. Like, they have all these picks to, like, work with that people just are panicking because it's not a first-round pick. Yeah. Who do you know of the Patriots that first-round pick is just, like, a beast? Like well, they're they're they usually really good at drafting first round picks on defense. They you know Nate Solder was a first round pick, so is Volmer. Like they're good players, they're not like yeah. elite, but it just you never know what the Patriots can do with first round picks. And I think you know it's more of the principle of taking it away than like oh we're not gonna have first round pick this year because like this isn't one of those years where they desperately need a first round pick. Yeah, and last year the one thing to me and we talked about Revis and Browner leaving last year. Like everyone thought you need to work on your secondary, and they were hoping. The big thing for me, I mean, I'm an MSU guy, and Trey Waynes, uh, who's yeah, now on like the Vikings. I like Trey Waynes. He played well in the playoffs for the mm-hmm. Vikings. I was really hoping they were going to pick him up, and I forget like what they did. I think they, they probably traded out of the first round or something. Well, Trey Waynes was last year. They, he, yeah. was, he went to like four. He went, he went high. He went like, wasn't he like nine? Or something to the Vikings? I thought he was like midway. I forget. Maybe mid draft. Maybe. But there were like people projecting him possibly falling to the Pats. Mm -hmm. Or like I heard reports before and I was like so excited that it was even possible. And they never did. I I think then they got Malcolm Brown, which everyone understood because. Yeah, everyone understood because Vince Wilfork left. But at the same time, you're like, you really need a secondary. I, I was tripping. I was so happy. Yeah. But I'm saying like they have this tendency that. They're okay with what they have. It's just going to be coaching. Yeah. And, like, you saw with this, they didn't draft really anyone in the secondary. They 
let Malcolm Butler take the ball and run with it in that number one spot, and and then they, they performed they, well. You know, then Robert McLean wasn't very good. Who was the other corner they brought in that wasn't very good? Um, they had oh, I forget who it was. They're all bad. All the all the corners they brought in were bad. They got rid of Arrington because he was kind of very very. I, I was upset, but I was really. I remember a couple of years ago being excited about Kyle Arrington and thinking like he's got to be great in a couple of years. And... He was great in the slide. He just couldn't cover anybody on the outside. Yeah. But I think you know they you know obviously with no first round pick this year. Uh, she mentioned Aaron Dobson leaving. They definitely are. I think will touch on wide receiver in the draft this year because it's so deep. They'll probably touch on running back too because they need a first and second down running back. Stephen Jackson's probably going to actually retire. This is another. I want to bring this up quick just because you yeah. guys were talking about Matt Forte. Another yeah, one. This will be our last time, and then we'll wrap up. Another one is Arian Foster. Ooh! I brought this up a couple weeks ago on Twitter, and I was very excited because they were saying how I don't know if they've released him yet or they're expected to, but Arian Foster, I would be very excited about bringing mm-hmm. in. I know his whole thing, and the same thing with Matt Forte, is staying healthy, and that's always the biggest question mark. But I think he would be a great fit. You look at LeGarrette Blunt, like, yeah, he's good, but I think Arian Foster could combine the physicality that LeGarrette Blunt has with some speed. Mm-hmm. My one problem with that is that they, they always get these running backs that don't need a lot. Well, I say, like, the word, they don't need a lot of attention, as if as in, like, they don't need to be on the field. Like, LeGarrette Blunt understood his role. Yeah. John Lewis understood his role. James White understood his role. Yeah. I, though my only problem with, like, bring people want Matt Forte, and I'm like, no, Matt I don't, Forte. I don't want Matt Forte. Matt Forte is going to get signed by the Titans for, like, $50 million or yeah. something nuts. Probably not that much. Which, but, which actually, that would be pretty exactly. crazy. If he went to the Titans, though. That'd, that'd be fun. They'd, but, be, they'd be a pretty good team. But I, I just think that, you know, these big-time running backs – I think they're going to go with someone that is strictly first and second down. Foster's a good call. My one worry is that he just the Achilles for a running back coming off of knee a knee injury and then another knee injury before that. Yeah. It might be a little too much for Bill Belichick. But we'll and see. another thing is I feel like Aaron Foster is one of those guys that would need a lot. Like you were talking, he would need like a lot of playing time. And I yeah. think Deion Lewis will take the majority of the snaps next year. And also, why do we... Why do we need Matt Forte? We have Deion Lewis. Yeah. The Patriots have Deion Lewis, not we. The Patriots have Deion Lewis. Why do they need Matt Forte, who's, what, five years older? Yeah. And probably not as good anymore? Yeah, and they they spent the money on Deion Lewis. They're ready to commit, and it's it's a pretty exciting time. That, like, every year running back is a big question, and everyone's looking forward to Deion Lewis and what he can. They they have seen what he can do. It's just can he consistently do it. Yeah. I can't wait. It's gonna yep. be exciting. Anyway, that's the that's the this is you know this is our first episode. We did a good job. We, we did a good job. We did a great job. Patriots beat. We're doing it. So yeah, we'll be on big. every other week uh, along with the other guys. But yeah, for uh for myself and Austin Bumpus. That's all for us. See you guys in a couple weeks.